0: question for you this morning, are all believers the same? Are all believers the same? Are we all at the same place in our faith? Do all believers make the same progress in their faith? Are all believers equally committed to walking daily in obedience to Christ? Do they have the same joy? Do we all have the same joy and peace and contentment in our walk with Christ? I think we all know the answer is no, right? The answer is no. We do We do know that, right? We, we don't all have the same faith. We don't all have the same strength of faith, I guess I mean to say. We don't have the same progress in the faith. We don't all have the same joy, do we? We know the answer is no. I want you to go with me to John chapter 15 this morning. John 15, as we return to the Gospel of John, and we're going to see the answer to that question, and we're going to see the solution to steady progress in the faith, and we're going to see the way to real joy and, and true happiness and contentment, and I think it's all seen in John chapter 15, as we're going to look at verses 7 through 11 this morning, where Jesus shares these words with his disciples and by his word with us. Beginning in verse 7, John 15, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples So, why do some believers you meet seem to be so full of joy? They seem to have a healthy prayer life. They seem to have a strong love for God's Word. And, and then there are other Christians you meet that seem to lack real joy. And, and they seem to have a prayer life, but it doesn't seem to be as strong as, as others'. They don't seem to have the joy that, that others have, and they don't seem to enjoy God's Word as as others do. What is it that makes the difference? Is it possible that, that those who don't show the signs of progress that others do, is it possible that those believers uh, who, who don't seem as strong, who don't seem as joyful, is it possible that that they didn't receive something when they trusted Christ? That they didn't get what somebody else got? Is it possible that at salvation they receive something different or, or maybe an incomplete gift from, incomplete gift from God? Or is it that they just struggle more than others? Is it that they face more trials and tribulations than those who seem to be stronger in their faith? Or do those who seem to lack a zeal for God and his word and prayer simply face more temptations and more sin and deal with more struggles internally? I think, again, the question is, is, or the answer to the question is no. No, I think we can confidently agree that all believers receive the same indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit at salvation, yes? All believers have the same... Bible, right? We, we may have different translations, and that's fine. I know some of you look at your Bible, you don't see the same words that you, that, uh, that you hear from me, but, but that you hear the words of God, and you hear God speaking to you when you open God's word in the translation that you've, you've found to be most instructive and encouraging to you, and you open the Bible and you hear God speaking to you, we all have the same Bible, we all have the same spirit, we all have the same wisdom and strength available to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. So no, I think we can confidently agree that all believers receive the same indwelling presence of the Spirit at Spirit salvation. We all face also, maybe not the same challenges, but the same kinds of challenges. We all face the same kinds of difficulties. We all face the same kinds of sin and, and challenges with needing to confess our sin. But I think it's clear that not all believers are the same in their walk with Christ. I think we know that, don't we? Not all believers are the same in their walk with Christ. I mean, think about prayer, for instance. Think about the the prayer life of a follower of Christ uh, for a moment, because we see it here in the text. We spent a couple of Sundays, in fact, here at the beginning of the year addressing the importance of of consistent and faith-filled prayer in the life of a believer. and of course, we encouraged and we challenged you to commit to praying for one another in the ministry of this church for the first eight days of January. And, and we're now encouraging you and challenging you to commit to praying for the ministry that we're all a part of on the first and the 15th of every month for at least 15 minutes. And, and certainly some of you may be praying far more than that. And that's great. Please pray more than those two days. But, but to use those two days on the first and the 15th of each month to be a reminder to us to pray for one another to pray for God's provision, to pray for salvation of souls, to pray for the growth in the Word and and speech and conduct as we yield to God's Word of His church. And so I trust we all understand the importance of faithful prayer in the life of God's children, but even though we all know prayer is important, I think it's safe to say that we don't all enjoy the same strength of prayer life, right? Right? And Jesus points to the strength of the believer's prayer life in verse 7. I want you to look at it again with me. Because Jesus says in verse 7, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now that's an incredible statement, isn't it? Are you ever arrested by that as you stop and say, Ask whatever? (laughs) That's an incredible statement. Jesus teaches us here that there is something that gives power to our prayers. There's something that makes the prayer life of a believer fruitful and productive. I want you to note that in verse 7, that ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you follows two conditions, two very important conditions I mean, think about your prayer life, and these are important conditions. The first condition is that the believer must abide in Christ. You see it there in verse 7? If you abide in me. See, for the believer to have power in prayer, the believer must abide in Christ. Now, what is it to abide in Christ? Now, last week we noted this in verses 1 through 6, and I said then that when you see this, this abiding in Christ, you should think, it's helpful to think of it this way. Think fellowship with Christ. Think communion. Think fellowship with Christ. And I think um, I think this can be seen in a, in a strong trust in Christ, a strong prayer life in which you find yourself I mean, just regularly, kind of spontaneously pouring out your heart to God about your concerns throughout your day. I think this... Just abiding in Christ looks like that in a believer. It's a believer who, who prays faithfully. And, is, and maybe you, you don't have a, a time when you sit down and you only pray for 15 minutes or only pray for 30 minutes, but you, you set aside time to pray. But, but throughout your day, you're, you're yielding to God in prayer because of the concerns of your heart and because, because of uh, those you want to influence for Christ with the gospel. And you have family members who have needs and you have needs of your own. And you depend on God. You just trust Him. And so you constantly find yourself talking to God in prayer throughout your day. I think that's part of what it means to abide in Christ, to have fellowship with Christ. I think part of what it means to abide in Christ is that you love his word and you can't get enough of it. And when you open the Bible and you read the scriptures, you may not always understand every word you see, but you're led by God's word and you're encouraged by it and you're equipped by it. And when you don't read God's word, you miss it. I think as you trust in God in prayer and you trust in God in His Word and you faithfully and daily do those kinds of things, that's abiding with Christ. That's abiding in Him and, and that's His Word abiding in you. Jesus actually speaks back in John chapter 14 and verse 27 when He tells us, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. But the reason not every believer is the same is because they don't always. Not every believer has the peace that God's willing to give you if you will abide in Him, if you will if you will walk with Him faithfully and stay faithful to talk to Him in prayer and yield to His Word and read it and enjoy it and be changed by it. See what we talk about there in John fourteen twenty seven. The peace that Jesus will leave with you and give to you—that's the peace of God. I think which we know of from Philippians four seven, which surpasses all understanding, right? It surpasses all understanding, which will and it will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus, says says Philippians four seven. I think that's what abiding in Christ looks like. Your heart and your mind is guarded because you're living in the Word. You're talking to God in prayer constantly throughout your prayer throughout your day. You see all of our efforts I think to grow our faithfulness in prayer and and we've emphasized that at the beginning of our year and I think it's for very good reason that we that we pause for a moment at the beginning of the year to say it's important that we pray together as a church but all of our efforts to grow in our faithfulness in prayer are going to be nothing if we don't abide in Christ if we don't stay connected to the vine like we talked about last Sunday right if you don't seek to find your greatest joy and satisfaction in fellowship with Jesus Christ, and you don't depend on Him daily, all your work at prayer will likely be for little effect. Now, there's a second condition for power and fruitfulness in prayer, and that is that the words of Christ must abide in the believer. You see it there, verse 7? You see, God's Word abides in the believer when the follower of Christ understands fully the truths of passages like Hebrews 4.12, which instructs us about the power of God's Word. And if you understand about the power of God's Word, you're going to realize, I better get the Word today or I'm going to be powerless. I'm going to be having difficulty dealing with my sin. I'm going to be having difficulty dealing with my co-workers, if I don't get the Word in today and I don't get the truth of God's Word to help change and direct my thinking today, I'm going to come up short because I'll be working in my power, and my power is not anything compared to God's power because, Hebrews 4.12 says, for the Word of God is, you know this, right? It is living. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. We need to be convinced of this. We need to be convinced of this. Nothing knows you like God's Word knows you. That's why we've committed ourselves as a church to gathering here weekly to teach the Word of God. That's why you'll hear me encourage you, especially at the beginning of the year, read your Bible this year start and pick up a Bible reading plan. There are many available, but there's one right there on the literature table. It's not too late to start reading your Bible. Read the Bible this year. That's why we gather together and we open God's Word and we say this is what God's Word says. That's why you hear me say read the Bible for yourself because nothing knows you like God's Word knows you. And I can't possibly know all the needs that are represented in the lives of the people when we gather. I can know of some of your needs, but I can't really know the needs of every person. So I can't address every every need specifically as we go to the gospel every week. But guess who does know every need represented in this room when we gather? God does. And in his forethought, he gave us his word to address those needs. Nothing knows you like God's word. And abiding in God's word also means that you seek to live by God's word. You seek to be changed by it. Be obedient to it. Not just say, I'm going to look in the mirror, you know, right? We look in the mirror of the word and say, well, that was helpful. That was good. That was, I can think of a few people who need that. And walk away unchanged. You see, we need to abide in God's word. And a part of abiding in his word is saying, this is God's word to me. This is him speaking to me today. Today. And though we don't hear him audibly, he speaks loud and clear in the Bible, doesn't he? And we need to listen, and we need to obey. It's not that we're perfect, right? It's not that we're perfectly living out in obedience to God's word, faithfully obeying God's word daily. We are going to deal with sin as long as we're this side of heaven. We understand that. But where is your desire? What is your heart's desire? Is it to know God's word? Is it to be changed by it? Is it to be convicted by it? Challenged by it? Strengthened by it? That's abiding in God's word. You seek to make God's word your standard of conduct, the standard by which you do your work, the standard by which you speak, the standard by which you live. That's abiding in God's word. And God's word, God says, listen, abiding in my word is critical for your prayer life. You want power in prayer? You want fruitfulness in prayer? Then abide in my word, and my word needs to abide in you. Abide in me. You're on your way, I think, to God's word abiding in, in you when I think you can identify with Job, who said this. Job chapter 23 and verse 12, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. And I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. You know the old joke, we never miss a meal, right? I mean, we, your stomach tells you when it's time to eat. It's hard to miss a meal. But does your heart tell you when it's time to feed on God's word? And do you treasure God's commandments? I have not departed for the commandment of his lips. I've treasured the words of his mouth, says Job, more than my portion of food. You hunger and thirst for righteousness, the righteousness that that you're instructed with from God's word. You know, when you abide in Christ and his word abides in you, you're going to have the answers to your prayers. And you will because the will of God is what you're feeding on. As you feed on God's word, you're going to be feeding on the will of God, and the will of God will be changing the things that you desire. And the things that you desire will begin to align with God's will. And when you pray in accordance to God's will, he's more than happy to fulfill your prayers, answer your prayers. So you can see, I think, here, so, abiding in Christ is so important. Abiding in his word, his word abiding in you, that's really the hallmark, I think the distinctive mark which Jesus points to here in the life of a vibrant follower of Christ. But we also know this is true. But those believers who seem to struggle, struggle to believe the word, struggle to be strengthened by the word, seem to have no real joy in this life, or those who aren't abiding in Christ and his word, and his word is not abiding in them, those individuals, consequently, their prayer life is powerless. And I realize that that could be some of us this morning realizing that's us. And we need to be challenged by God's word to walk faithfully with Christ that Christ that we abide with Christ and his word abide in us so that yes so that our prayers will be answered but yes so that we will also know joy we're going to see that too but i want you to note something else first why is it jesus says abiding in christ and his word is so important look at verse 8 he says by this By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So first, God is glorified by this. That's, that's right, that's right there in verse 8. God is glorified by this. God gets the glory when He answers the prayers of His people. You see, we ought not get the glory when God answers our prayers. God should get the glory, and God is glorified when he answers the prayers of his people. But note, too, that not only does God get the glory when we bear much fruit, but we also prove to be his disciples, and that is very important because there are three people who who need to know we're disciples of Christ. There are three people who are helped when it's apparent that you are a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. The first person is the unbeliever. The unbeliever is helped when he, he knows that's a person who really lives what he says he believes. When, when we're abiding in Christ and God's Word is abiding in us, and our prayers are being answered and God is being glorified, unbelievers look at our lives and say, "That's a genuine believer. What they have is real. I think I need that. I know I need that. I think I want that." That's the first person, the unbeliever, who is helped when it's apparent that you're a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. The second person is your brother and sister in Christ. When it's apparent, when it's obvious that you're a follower of Christ, that you're you're bearing fruit as a believer, that's very encouraging. You see, when we abide in Christ and our brothers and sisters in Christ see that, that abiding believer, they are very encouraged by our growth in Christ, for one. They're also, they're also strengthened by our faith. When they see the faith of other believers, that's why we need to be together, to see the faith and, and to help those who are weak and encourage those who need to be encouraged. But they're also challenged by your obedience. And so that individual needs to see your walk with Christ, to see that your faith is real, to see God's glory lived out through you. The third person that's encouraged by your abiding is yourself. You need to be encouraged by your abiding in Christ. Nothing will, will really bring greater joy and satisfaction, I think, than for you to know that you are Christ's, that he paid the debt for your sin, that he shed his blood for you. Nothing will encourage you more daily than to know that I am Christ, and nothing will ever change that. And the assurance that's yours When you're abiding in Christ and he's producing much fruit in life, that's a precious, a precious gift. You need that assurance. You need to be encouraged that you are Christ. If you have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, the fruit that God produces in you will encourage you and give you confidence to keep living for him. There is no more joyous place to live than in the comfort of knowing the love of Christ. Says Jesus in verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Loved. Yes, Christ loves us. But he says, so have I loved you. Which I think reminds reminds us that the love of Jesus is not earned by us. If it's something that we do, he's saying, well, I'm loving you as long as you're obeying. No, no, I have loved you. I have paid the price for your sin. I shed the blood. I was crucified. I conquered sin and death and hell, and I raised from the dead on the third day. Can you do that? Right? Thank God that he gave his son so that we might be saved and abide in his love. But for those who aren't abiding in Christ, there's no joy in their faith. There's no power in prayer. And there's no glory for God. And there's no proof of discipleship. And that's a bleak place to live. So Jesus gives this reminder in verse 10. Look at verse 10 again. If you keep my commandments... You will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. So I say, do you want to know, and enjoy the abiding love of Christ? You want the peace that's yours in knowing you are His, and your your sin is paid for and canceled; the, the debt is is gone. You want the contentment that on, that is only yours in Christ. You take to heart. Verse ten and keep his commandments. You make the keeping of God's commandments very precious to you. That you honor and glorify Him, and, and we need to say this too. I think this keeping of the keeping the commandments of Christ, of course, is is not the idea of perfection. None of us can keep the commandments of Lord Jesus Christ perfectly, because we still live here, and we still have these sin-sick bodies, right? That we that we deal with temptations of the old the old nature, right. So we're not talking about sinless perfection, but I believe it is the idea of this. It is, it is devotion. It is wholehearted devotion to following the commands of God's word. See, God does not expect perfection. He does expect devotion to keeping his words. He does expect us to devote ourselves to being obedient and Christlike. And I hear in this a call to believers to be devoted to the Word of God, being committed to taking God's Word personally. That's why I hope you bring your own Bible when you come to church. Maybe you never thought about it, but it's one of the reasons I don't put the Scripture on the screen. I could, but I want you to open God's Word for yourself. Maybe I will someday, but I want you to open God's Word for yourself. I want you to carry God's Word. I want you to take it home and not set it aside and forget about it until next Sunday. And that's what God wants for you, that you would abide, that you would stay, that you would fellowship with him through the power of his word. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, says Jesus in verse 10. So I hear a call to believers to be devoted to the word of God, being committed to taking God's word personally. I think it's what we hear in verse 7 when Jesus says, If my words abide in you. And I think when God's Word abides in you, it's the same kind of thing we hear in Jeremiah 15, verse 16, when Jeremiah says, Your words were found, and I ate them. I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. Your words were found, and I ate them. I digested them. They encouraged me. They convicted me. They strengthened me. They're mine now. And I think that's what Jesus was calling his disciples to that day. And I think that's what we need to hear him calling us to now as we read his word. When he says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. You're going to know the love of Christ if you love his commandments. He's calling us to bring bring ourselves to the Word, and He's going to give His strength to us. And He's calling us to being disciples who take great joy in following His Word, making the Word of God and practicing His precepts your joy. It's hard to find ourselves there at times, isn't it? Because the pressures of this life but we need to know that there is true joy in in yielding to the precepts of God's Word. And if we do, I think we're going to abide in His love. We will know the love of Christ for us on a very personal level. I think that's exactly what Jesus is talking about here. We're going to know the love of Christ, and He will make us confident in our walk, in our faith. But where there is a lack of joy over the Word of God for the believer who's struggling to feed on and obey God's word, there's going to be no real contentment. There's going to be a struggle for that. There's going to be no real peace, no true peace, no real joy. And I think that's why Jesus says this in verse 11. Look at it one more time. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Would you pray with me this morning, our Father in heaven? How precious the truths of Your Word, and how how challenging and, and convicting they are when we listen to them, when we hear them with our hearts. God, I pray that You would help us to hear Your Word with our hearts and minds. That You, you knowing that You speak to us, You intend to challenge challenge our hearts when we sin, convict us when we sin, and bring us to a point of confession and surrender and then renewal and then strength. And Lord, we desperately need your strength. We need your wisdom. So, Father, I pray, help us. As you say, abide in me and my words abide in you, help us. Help us to honor you and glorify you and to love your word. Help us to fellowship with you faithfully. Help us to make it our daily practice to make your word our word, the word that you use to change us, to shape our thinking, to shape our actions, our our responses to to the challenges that we're going to face this week. And then as we ask you in prayer to help, it will be done. That the Father would be glorified as we bear much fruit, the fruit that you grow and produce in us, and we prove to be your disciples. Father, I pray for those this morning that may not know you. There may be those this morning who are sitting here hearing these words and realizing, "Uh, I don't know what this is. I don't don't know the, the joy and peace. I don't know what it is to abide in Christ. I don't know fellowship with Christ. I don't know what it is to have the word abiding in me. And God, I pray that you would open their hearts to hear and and see the truth and believe and to repent of their sin and to believe in Jesus Christ today. That even now, even at this moment, they would yield to you in prayer and speak to you in prayer, asking for forgiveness and asking for eternal life only through Jesus Christ as they trust in him. And God, for your people, I pray that you would strengthen us and help us each one to see that this is for us as individuals, not not as something that we need to to give to our neighbors or our spouse. But we need to hear God's word today. And we need to obey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.